For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Use the code word REBEL for a discount on pillows, sheets, pet beds, and everything else at MyPillow.com. Woo! Rebels, it's that time! Can you feel it? Are you ready to be a great parent? Do you want to feel like you're back on your honeymoon? Well, we believe in you and God believes in you. Rebels, it's time to join the rebellion. It's time for Rebel Parenting. What's happening, Rebels? Hope you're having a great week. We had an amazing time in California. Did a Rebel Parenting parenting conference. I got to preach, met tons of families, got to help out. Man, it was a great time. If you'd like to bring us to your church or your area, reach out to us, help at rebelparenting.org, or contact us at the Rebel Parenting website, rebelparenting.org. Today's podcast is sponsored by Liberty HealthShare, libertyhealthshare.com slash rebel. It is our healthcare provider, and we love them. Ooh, today's program is amazing. We got Sarah May on the podcast talking about the complicated heart. This is a Moms on the Mic episode, and it's all about forgiveness. This is, it can be a really tough subject, and Sarah May does a great job. Let's dive in with the Atomic Mom and Producer Kay on today's edition of Rebel Parenting. Hello, everybody. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to Moms on the Mic on Rebel Parenting. Here we go. Moms on the Mic again. And we are so grateful to have Sarah May with us today yeah. and talking Ooh. and just the hope that you bring to the community is just amazing. So we are just blessed to have you today. Oh, thank you. It's really such an honor to talk with you both. So thank you for having me. Oh, awesome. I was just thumbing through your book and I could not put it down. It was uh-huh. one of those books like... Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. What else happened? What else happened? <laughs> you know, just the layers in there of uh, just that you wrote about are awesome. So thank mm. you for being so authentic and vulnerable. Yeah. So if you're listening today and you have deep wounds mm-hmm. from the past, which is, I would say, all of us. Um, if you're human. <laughs> yeah. If you're right. Human, if you're human. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is a show for you. This is a show mm-hmm. for really just turning the page of like, is there hope to heal that? So I love the title of the book. This is one of the cooler books that like covers mm-hmm. that we've ever oh. gotten. Just the simplicity and yeah, the complicated heart is what Sarah May's book is. And she shares a lot of her story of growing up and I'd love for her to give a little snippet yeah to let you guys in <laughs> sure well it's the story of how I learned to love and forgive my alcoholic mother but really it's for mm-hmm. anybody who's dealing with a complicated or dysfunctional relationship and mm-hmm. wants to know like can I ever just be okay or be normal yeah <laughs> or how do I forgive when those wounds are still open right but I just want to say I thank you for saying something about the cover I actually love the cover it doesn't stand out online But in person, I just think it's so beautiful. And what it is, is it's actually a milk thistle on the cover, which if you go to touch a milk thistle, like they're prickly, right? So they don't hurt you. But actually, there are healing properties in them. Mm -hmm. And so it's this idea that it does hurt sometimes when we reach out for help. But there is healing even in the midst of the hurt. So oh, that's so beautiful. Yes, there anyway. is. That's, that's a great. word in itself. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Uh. I heard that the skin actually, after you have a scar, like you get cut and you go mm-hmm. get stitches or something, that that new skin is even stronger 
than your really? original skin. Yeah, that's oh. what I've heard. And so, like, when you mm. get a wound and you get the healing that you need, that you technically become stronger when oh, you cool. heal from those it's usually that's people who have a complicated heart are like, yeah, yep. that's, that's true. I'm stronger. You're stronger. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, well, yeah, keep diving in. Tell us okay. why you wrote this book. <laughs> sure, absolutely. Okay, so believe me, I can talk a long time. I just don't want to get ahead of that. <laughs> so I wrote this book. That, <laughs> oh, there's so much. <laughs> so... When I was 14, I moved in with my mom. My dad had raised me. My parents were divorced before I was a year old. Mm. But I would see my mom in the summers. I would live with her. And I thought she was like the coolest ever. Like I was like, I just want to be just like her or Madonna when I grow up. <laughs> yep. I was the 80s child. Mm -hmm. yep. you know? And neither of my parents knew the Lord. And I, you know, I didn't. And um, but when I was 14, I was like, well, a girl should live with her mother. Like I loved my dad. He was great. Mm -hmm. I had a stepmom I did not like so much, mm -hmm. but I just, I just really wanted to be with my mom who I thought was the coolest. And so my dad really couldn't do much. You know, I was kind of like that teenager who was like, well, dad, like, you know, a judge will side with me, you know, no. kind of deal. Yeah. <laughs> if you try to like, not let me live with my mom, I'm old enough to make a decision. And mm -hmm. You know, it was through tears. He was very hurt. But, you know, he said, mm. you know, okay, you know, what's he going to do? So I move in with my mom. She's in a different state. She's in Georgia. I had lived in Pennsylvania. Vastly different cultures. I mm -hmm. moved to this tiny, tiny little town on the border of Alabama. Totally, like, culture shock difference. Yeah. And it was soon after moving in with her that I started to see something different. So mm -hmm. in the summers, we were totally cool. I would be there for two months. And I had seen how she could be kind of vicious to her husband. She was married five times mm -hmm. and she had like a real wit and a real sarcasm that could tear you down. But she didn't really turn that on me. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I lived with her that she began to sort of turn that cutting sarcasm and cruelty and ability to tear you down and manipulate you so masterfully mm -hmm. onto me. And this was new because I was like... Like, what are you doing, mom? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but of course, I'm 14 and I don't have like the ability to really understand right. what's happening. Like that, oh, this is verbal and emotional abuse and you're right. gaslighting me, which mm. real quick, we've heard that term gaslighting a lot in politics. Yeah. But I just learned it recently and I realized that for years of my life, I was gaslit by my mom. Mm. And just real quick to make people understand, yeah. gaslighting is basically when... It's like you walk up to a person and they punch you in the face and you're bleeding and in pain and you're like, ow, why did you do that? Mm -hmm. And they're like, I didn't do anything. Like you walked into my fist. Right. And you're like, yeah. no, I didn't. You yeah. totally just punched me in the face. Right. And they're so fantastic at convincing you that you walk away not only believing that you are such an idiot for, for walking, walking into in the fist. Their fist. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But like, and then you just, and then you're also just like beating yourself up. Like, I am so yeah. dumb. I cannot believe it. Yeah. You like, start to feel I... crazy. You're like, yeah. I you must be, I must be crazy mm -hmm. because right. I you thought you don't that, trust... yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. You don't trust your experience. You don't trust your gut. You have zero confidence. You don't know what to believe. So my mom, the way she would talk to me is that's what she would do. So mm. for example, when I finally confronted her about her alcoholism, because I started to associate the two like I was like oh you're really mean and oh gosh you drink a lot of like vodka all day yeah and she was he had her 20 year old live-in boyfriend and he was also an alcoholic and so they would just mm. drink and drink mm. 
And so I confronted her and she basically just like laughed at me and was like, mm. so what? And, you know, it was so confusing to me. And I'm like, oh, I'm sure. you're really mean to me. And, you know, she's just laughing at me and like rolling her eyes. Mm. And I remember saying in my 14 year old immature teenage, like, well, I don't even think I love you anymore. Mm. And she just kept laughing at me. Mm. And I remember it wasn't long after that that you know, I'm feeling, you know, I'd been emotionally manipulated for a while. I can say that now. I had no idea what was going on then, of course. Yeah. And just really lonely mm-hmm. and really confused and really sad and wanting a mom to like want me. Yeah. And I remember I was sitting in the bathtub and I was staring at this like cheap pink plastic daisy razor. And I was like, I wonder if you can kill yourself mm-hmm. like with this. Right. And I heard my mom making a drink and I yelled out to her. Maybe I'll just kill myself. Mm. And she says, go ahead. I dare you. And that was just like a moment for me that stands out of like Mm. such deep like loneliness and and just heartbreak Mm -hmm. for what, you know, had happened. And then people at this point will always go, well, why didn't you move out? And I was like, well, I first of all, I was 14. I don't think I thought I had that option. Like I'd already made the decision to move there. Right. I didn't really think it was an option. And then the other thing is I got a boyfriend pretty Mm. quickly. And um, he we just he had literally a crack addicted mom and was like in poverty. And we just like latched onto each other Mm. and spent every waking hour together because it's how we both got our needs met. Right. Yeah. Wow. Mm. So well, one, I'm pausing. I have a question everybody. Wow. Well, what I'm sorry, but I'm very grateful for your story because Mm -hmm. I think there's people out there listening that can identify, maybe not with the exact circumstances, but that despair and the level of dysfunction Mm -hmm. and that loneliness growing up in an alcoholic home or if they're now adult children of alcoholics, you know, I mean, there's just a common thread through that. So thank you. Oh. Oh, man. Yeah. So tell us a little bit. So so the hope in the story, I love that you Mm. shared. I don't want to ruin the whole book, but you did. You had these little touch points of coming to Jesus moments, whether it was through Young Life or um, all Mm. of that. Can you talk about a little bit about that? So this is one of my favorite things to talk about because it's how God is with us, even when we don't um, know it or Mm -hmm. even know him yet. Mm -hmm. So I can now look back in my life and go, oh my gosh, like I was in the pit, but Jesus was with me every step of the way, just Mm, waiting until I was ready for him to like lift me out of it. Mm -hmm. So for example, when I was still living with my dad. I was a little girl. I was probably, I think, eight or nine. And my sister uh, was kidnapped by her dad. We had different dads. Mm-hmm. And my mom had dropped him off for a visitation and or dropped her off for like a weekend visitation. But like he never came back. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. we didn't know where my sister was for like a really long time. And I remember praying every single night to this God I didn't know. Uh-oh. My stepmom was Catholic, so I had like gone to Catholic services, so I knew something of like a God, you know, know anything. And so I just remember praying and asking every single night like that we would find my sister. Mm. And like I think it was six months or a year later, we found her, and that cemented in my little girl heart that there was a God, and he heard my prayers. Mm. So fast forward to being 14, and 
and I'm in this turmoil with my mom and um, some other things that happened that are in the book um, that were pretty like crushing. Mm-hmm. And an uncle comes to visit and he gives me this Christian cassette tape. It was Clay Cross. And I didn't know there was such thing as Christian music. Like I knew there were hymns, <laughs> but I had no idea that like people, that there was contemporary Christian music. Like there right. would be something you'd hear on radio. I like, I had no idea when people are like, everybody knows who Jesus is. Everybody knows about Christian. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like I did not know Jesus. Oh, wow. I did not know Christian music. I didn't know anything. So Mm. Um, I don't know why I listened probably cause we didn't have like iPhones in the internet and I yeah. couldn't like distract <laughs> myself with anything else. So I put the yeah. tape in cause you know, you can only play your boys to men so many times. <laughs> yeah. So totally had that tape. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. With the Mariah Carey. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so, <laughs> um, and so I'm listening and I just remember I was sitting on my bunk bed and just crying mm. and praying I don't understand what this man is singing about exactly, mm-hmm. but I want it. Yeah, I want it. You know, this is just the Lord willing me. Mm-hmm. And I got my hands on this book of scriptures where like you could look up a topic and like there yep. was a scripture and so I'd like sit and read that. And, you know, so I'm getting these like tastes of, you know, the Lord and mm. scripture, but I still don't know who Jesus is. And okay. another time, uh, uh, I like how you said that it was like the Lord just wooing me. I walked into that same uncle, took us to a church. Now, I had only ever been to a Catholic church, mm-hmm. so I didn't know there was other churches. I thought that was it. Like, that's mm-hmm. all there was. I didn't yeah. know that there was, like, Protestant and blah, blah, So we walk into this church, and people are, like, singing and clapping. And I was like, what, what is, is going this? on? Why There's something wrong. Why like, clapping at church? Like, what's happening? Yeah. It was just a, like, mind-blowing experience. Mm-hmm. And... I just remember having this thought, like the spirit is here and not even knowing what that meant. Mm -hmm. And just when the pastor spoke, like I understood him and, uh, you know, we didn't, I may have gone back once or twice later, but it was just this, like all these pieces of a puzzle sort of beginning to come together that I didn't totally get, but it was making sense. So anyway, I'm going to bring in the hope, but I have to say another thing to make it make sense. So here's (laughs) all these touch points, right? And I'm with this boy, you know, all the time. You know, it's not like we love each other necessarily. This is just what we do to survive is mm-hmm. to be together all the time. Mm-hmm. Because my mom had gotten progressively worse, worse and she was neglectful. And and so at 16, I get pregnant mm-hmm. and, of course, scared to death, you know, 16 and pregnant. And I remember just thinking, like, well, we'll just get a trailer mm-hmm. and, like, get married and this is what we'll do. Mm-hmm. And I remember telling my grandmother who lived in Pennsylvania, my dad's mom, and we were really close. Mm. And so she was the first person I told. Mm. And she said, I'll have it taken care of. Mm. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? Like, Mm. no, I'm keeping my baby. And she hung up the phone. Mm. I ended up flying to Pennsylvania because it was summer. Mm -hmm. And so I was going to be staying with my dad in the summers. And I was so sick, like vomiting all day, Mm. like just like losing weight, like you're supposed to be gaining weight. But I was just very sick sick and very weak and very alone. And my grandmother wouldn't talk to me. Nobody mm. knew how to deal with me. I wasn't supposed to tell anybody. Mm. And so it was just, again, like loneliness on top of loneliness. Like you're not even yeah. touched. Like when you don't get yeah. touched for so long, you just begin to like wither away. Yeah, for sure. And so I promise the hope is coming. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's just very difficult and very lonely. And I remember my other grandmother from Georgia coming and sitting with me on the bed and saying, it was like the first time somebody, I was three months along and she puts her arms around me 
And she said, you know, Sarah, why don't you just have an abortion? Because if you do, you can go to prom and you can have like a normal life. Mm. And by that point, I was so sick of like everybody having an idea about what to do and nobody like asking me or caring what I thought at all that I was like, fine, like whatever. And so I had this prominent family, so they changed my name. And the doctor said I wouldn't do well in a clinic. So they actually took me to a hospital and put me under completely. And I remember the night before the abortion, I just cried and held my tummy and just asked the baby to forgive me. Mm -hmm. And then I went through with it. And so there was a part of me that was very numb after that. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so all these things going on. My mom literally checked out of the entire pregnancy situation. I found out later she'd had two abortions that she'd never dealt with. And I think they deeply wounded her. So she had no idea how to deal with me and what I was going through. Mm. And so finally, I'm like ready to kick the dust off my shoes of Georgia. Like I'm like, get me out of here. I am so sick of this town. I'm so sick of this life. I had ended up living in a trailer for a little while with this boyfriend and his sister ended up prostituting herself out of it. It was like so gross. Mm. It was such a mess. And I was like, I got to get out of here. And so at 17, I finally moved back to live in Pennsylvania. And I just am Mm. like, I'm going to start a new life. Like nobody knows about the trailer. Nobody knows about the alcohol. Nobody knows about like the crazy life and the pregnancy and all these things. I can just start fresh. Mm -hmm. And Mm. it was a real privilege that most people, you know, many people don't have my sister being one of them. Mm. She had it way worse. And so I moved back and I get involved in young life. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what it was. I just knew it's where all the cool kids went and hung out on Wednesday nights to get out of the house. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I'll me up. Shout out to young <laughs> life. <laughs> Go young <laughs> life. Yeah. So, but it was there that I began to really hear the gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was there that I began to hear about this God, man, Jesus, somebody, you know, who I'm like, okay, this is interesting. And I get like a hold of a New Testament they give you and Mm -hmm. I'm reading it and I feel like I can actually understand it. And Mm -hmm. I remember at the time I used to, I used to listen to, um, do you guys know Dr. Laura Schlesinger? Yeah, of course. (laughs) course. Well, when I was in high school, I totally listened to her. Totally. And and she's so random, right? Like a high school student, Dr. Laura. But I did. And I think it's because she was so black and white and I'd come from such chaos that like I gravitated towards the quote unquote meat of like legalism sort of. Yeah. Anyway, but she used to call herself a serious Jew. And so I remember being like, I'm a serious Christian. (laughs) (laughs) That's Um, awesome. (laughs) But really, once I went into my freshman year of college, I got involved with the Navigator Ministry. Mm -hmm. And this is when everything really changed. Um, I was at a retreat and the speaker said, what would you do if Jesus walked in the room right now? Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I would hide. Mm -hmm. Like he wouldn't want to see me. And like, it was so earnest. Like I literally thought if you walked in this room, like I would go hide behind the couch. Mm -hmm. Like I had so much shame. Yeah. And I don't know if somebody said this to me. I don't remember if it was the spirit. I'm sure somebody was operating in the spirit saying this to me. Mm -hmm. They said, Sarah, Jesus already knows everything that you've done and everything that you're doing. And he loves you anyway. Mm. And from that moment on, I was like, total Jesus girl, like playing playing Jesus freak, like out my dorm room, my roommate who would walk in, stare at me and walk back out. Like Uh. I became that new Christian who let the voice back out of everybody. Uh That was me. 
that's but so that's great. where the hopes start that's where things start to change don't go anywhere we'll be right back with more rebel parenting What's happening, Rebels? Did you miss the healthcare open enrollment period? Because it has ended. But not to fear, you can enroll for Liberty HealthShare any time of the year at libertyhealthshare.org rebel. Why? Because that's what Laura and I use. I got to tell you, when we got a 70 plus thousand dollar bill for her cancer surgery, I praised the Lord for Liberty HealthShare. They took care of everything. I'm not kidding. Everything. Oh, I thought we were going to have to sell our house when I got a bill that big. I called my rep at Liberty Health Share, and she was like, oh, no, we take care of this. And they did. You can get plans starting as low as $199 per month. They've got plans for singles, couples, families. You can choose the ideal package for your situation. Plus, Liberty Health Share has no network, so you're free to pick your own doctor, hospitals, and provider. I got to tell you, this came into play when we were in California, and Laura had... Uh, appendicitis and had to have an appendectomy all of a sudden out of the blue what happened Liberty HealthShare took care of the entire thing so join Liberty HealthShare any time of the year you can join right now plans starting as low as $199 per month go to libertyhealthshare.org slash rebel that's libertyhealthshare.org slash rebel it's what Laura and I use and we recommend it God bless Welcome back to Rebel Parenting. Did you miss us? Did you go through any like therapy or counseling or any of that after you found the Lord? I'm just, for our listeners, yeah. I was mm-hmm. just wondering. Absolutely. Yeah. So interestingly enough, so my mom at this point, I like wanted nothing to do with her. I hated her. Oh, I bet. But, you know, you become a Christian and you start reading the Bible and you start reading words like, I don't know, love your enemy and mm. forgive. And I was like... <laughs> Oh, shoot. Like, mm. do I have to do that? <laughs> right. You're talking to me. <laughs> yeah. Darn it. <laughs> so a very tenderhearted person and very tender to the Holy Spirit. And I knew that God was calling me to love and forgive my mom. Yeah. And stay in relationship with her. And I don't think that's the case for everybody. I don't think God calls everybody to stay in relationship with people who mm-hmm. hurt them for sure. For sure. But in this case, God was. Mm. But in his kindness, he doesn't just like throw us to the wolf and say like good Go luck be in yeah. a relationship right good luck yeah so he Boundaries. very kindly taught me right three very important things mm-hmm. and in order that I could love and forgive my mother so the very first one was so I was sitting in a class college class and I was a human development and family studies major. I wanted to be a counselor. Mm-hmm. And we had this man come in. He was a guest lecturer. He was an addiction specialist. And, <clears throat> of course, I run up to him after class. And yeah. I tell him, you know, about my mom and our toxic cycles. And, like, when we're on the phone, how mm-hmm. it, like, always goes downhill. And I didn't know the word manipulation at the time, really. And he was able to say, like, well, that's manipulation. Because, like, I couldn't get off the phone with her. It was just really bad. And mm-hmm. we were really tangled up together. Even though mm-hmm. I didn't like her, it was confusing. And he said to me, Sarah, if I have a ball in my hand Mm -hmm. and I throw it to you, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I'm going to catch it. And he said, and then what? I said, I'm going to throw it back. And he goes, okay, so you've decided to play the game. Mm. Right. He goes, if you don't want to play the game anymore, stop throwing the ball back. Yes. And he said, with your mom specifically. So this is my first introduction to boundaries. Yeah. Mm. And so with my mom specifically, he's like, if you're on the phone with her and she begins to manipulate you Mm -hmm. or 
going down a spiral and you can't get off. He goes, you can let her know the first time, like, hey, mom, if things go bad, I'm just going to hang up the phone. Mm -hmm. But after that, you don't give any explanation. You Mm -hmm. just say, hey, mom, someone's at the door. Got to go. Click. Or, hey, got to go. Bye. Click. You don't wait for a goodbye because it will never happen. And anybody in a dysfunctional Mm -hmm. relationship knows, like, you can't wait for the goodbye. No. So that was crucial to, like, learning how to stop playing the game Mm -hmm. with her. And another way that impacted me was I realized that I couldn't, because I'd been gaslit and manipulated, I honestly didn't know like what was up and what was down. Like I wasn't sure what was true and what was untrue. And I really beat myself up a lot and I couldn't see clearly. And there was a point that it got so bad. I had gone to visit her and things got really, really bad. Mm. And I ended up leaving early. And I realized like I told her, I said, I can't see you or talk to you for like six months. Like I need a break to get my head on straight yeah and like she resented that in me forever but Mm. I needed to do it so yeah it was a boundary I had to set but during that time like so first the Lord leads me you know just begins to teach me about boundaries Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then the next thing was I ended up going over to this woman's house who was a navigator ministry leader woman Mm -hmm. and a mentor and I told her I said I don't know like what's wrong with me? Like, I'm so emotional. I'm so angry, Mm. but like, I'm also really numb about things. Like I hate myself. Like, I don't know. I can't like make sense of my emotions and I feel like I'm never going to change. And she sat down with me and she started writing things on a piece of paper. Like I am bad. I am ugly. Mm. I am stupid. Mm -hmm. I am not good enough. And she's listing and she said, just circle any that stand out to you. Mm -hmm. And I'm circling, you know, and then she writes this other list and it's like, I must be good. Mm. I must be in control. Mm. I must be perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, all of these things. And I'm circling them. And what she's doing, and I don't have time to go into it now, but she began to teach me this concept called core lies. And it's the fact that each one of us in our core have these lies. Mm-hmm. And then we often, what we do is we live out of them mm-hmm. and we make choices based on them. But they're subconscious. We don't even know they're there. For sure. Yeah. So, but you can identify a core lie pretty quickly by what triggers you. So mm-hmm. a burst of anger, <laughs> yeah, anxiety, and then also depression. And I'm not talking about like a chemical depression, right? But right. like a situational depression or something. Yeah. Pay attention to those triggers, and mm. sure enough, it will lead you to a core lie that you are believing. And there's so much more to talk about that because it's literally a life changing concept. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. But you don't have time to go we into it. In our two minutes, I try. <laughs> yes. But seriously, find it, some it's un- lies. Changed yeah. my life. Changed yes. my life. So for sure. Uh, and it changes everybody's well, life. Well, and I well. think growing up in an alcoholic home, I, I mean, I know what that's like. And I think people in that arena or have grown up in that are yes. easier to believe those lies based on the chaos and mm-hmm. the confusion you're brought up in. Yeah, so but every person has something like whether for sure. it's not you enough, know, I'm not yeah. enough, or I'm stupid, or mm-hmm. I have to be taken seriously, and then we make these goals based on that. Like yep. I must be smart, and I cannot let anybody see that I'm not smart. And so, if somebody says something and I don't know the answer, I'm called on it. All of a sudden, man, I'm angry because you just yep. you just stepped on my like landmine in my heart, right. my yeah. core lie. But they're really actually pretty selfish in their self-protective measures. And what mm-hmm. God wants to do is take all of those away right, and sure. let us know that we are loved and secure in him. But anyway, that's mm-hmm. a whole other thing. It's in the book. <laughs> um, I love the whole topic. But anyway, and then the third thing he did that was probably, these were all significant, but this was like 
the clincher was after all the anger, mm-hmm. after setting the boundaries, after recognizing my core lies, mm-hmm. what was underneath all the pain and the anger and the numbness mm. was that I was actually just really, really sad yeah. that I yeah. didn't have a I began to like mm. hate and envy people who like had good relationships with their mothers. Mm-hmm. I was so jealous mm. when somebody was like, you know, they watched a movie with their mom or they could talk to their mom about boys or their mom hugged them or just gave a crap about them. Yeah. Like, so sad. So I took myself to this counselor that was recommended to me and I sat down and it turns out I had all these mother issues and mother wounds mm. and I, you know, proceed to tell her all the things and I'm waiting for her to be like, it's going to be okay. Like, blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> yeah. she doesn't do any of that. She says, Sarah, you need to mourn the loss of a mother mm-hmm. as though she died mm. because the reality is you don't have a mother. Yeah. Mm. And I was like, What? This is not comforting. Mm. But, and there's a caveat here, we don't ever mourn the future. We don't ever mourn what God may yet restore, but Mm. we can mourn the reality of what is before us. And the reality was she was right. Like I didn't have a mom. And you do, you have to mourn her as though she died Mm. because here's what happens. She said, grief is the process of facing reality Mm. and letting go of expectations. So when you face the reality of something, like I don't have a mom, Mm-hmm. then I can learn how to let go of the expectation that she will ever be one. Right. That she will treat me like one, like I'm her daughter. Yeah, then it's easier not to get hooked in her game. That's right. Yeah. But what that did is it allowed me to actually love her mm. and forgive her because I was then able to see her as a person made in the image of God mm-hmm. as opposed to somebody I'm trying to get something from. I'm not going right. to get a loving relationship. I'm not going to get that motherly affection. Mm. But knowing that, and then releasing her from what she should have been right. allowed me to then stay in relationship and love her as a person that God was calling me to love. Wow. And so that's how I proceeded in our relationship. And that is how I was able to stay in relationship with her and love her and forgive her. And then, of course, God did a whole bunch of crazy things. <laughs> wow. Man, that's mm. so good. And maybe it's a little bit of a reiterating, but I'm just thinking like if we had somebody mm. here that is thinking in their past at this point of like, oh man, that's so me. What would you tell them? Say, hey, you know what? I think you should start here. Yeah, where to begin. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that if you're beginning the journey, I think it's really important to begin to pay attention to getting emotionally and spiritually healthy first by paying attention to your triggers. Like what are Mm -hmm. the things that set you off? Because here's Mm -hmm. the great thing about pain, anger, sadness is that they're not bad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're all good leading us towards a story Mm -hmm. that God wants to tell us so that he can heal us. Mm -hmm. And so I say, begin to pay attention to your sadness and your pain and your anger or through through how I react to something when somebody touches me, how I react when somebody, you know, says a certain thing or whatever, Mm -hmm. begin to pay attention to those things. Actually, I think I have it set up on my site. If you go to Core Lies, C-O-R-E-L-I-E-S, you can download a free thing that kind of walks you a little bit through Core Lies. I'm going to add more to it, but I just think it's so important important to begin to identify our lies and begin to replace them with the truth. It's huge, huge, huge. Mm -hmm. And God is so kind and so gentle. Mm -hmm. Anytime Mm -hmm. that voice of like discouragement comes and like sarcasm and condemnation, like that's not from God. Yes. But a lot of us hear that voice and think it's our own voice Mm -hmm. (laughs) beating us up. 
mm-hmm. like really it's us just agreeing with the kingdom of darkness. Like it's us just agreeing with the enemy. And we right. don't mean to, we don't know we're doing it, right. but it's mm-hmm. the enemy who's whispering those things to us. Like yeah. he wants to kill us and destroy us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I would say to learn about setting boundaries. There's lots of ways you can do that. You can buy a book called Boundaries. <laughs> That's a great you, one. You can, <laughs> right. I mean, you keep can keep it by your to... bed for three years. It's true. <laughs> That's right. Just keep I, you reading know, you it. guys have probably done podcasts on, but I have a podcast called The Complicated Heart, and mm-hmm. I have a whole thing on boundaries, and I've got a whole thing on gaslighting. Like, begin mm-hmm. to learn these things. Yeah. And then I would say, begin to start asking the Lord, like, what do I need to mourn? Like what valid Mm -hmm. loss do I have in my life that I need to mourn? Because here's what we do. Mm -hmm. I'm fine. It's not that big of a deal. Right. Lots of people don't have good parents. Yeah. Lots of people like have it worse than me. You know, this is what we do. Right. But that's not what God does. And Mm -hmm. God wants to heal each and every heart and its complexities and its intricacies. Yeah. Very uniquely. And very gently. And so instead of doing that, like mm-hmm. putting our defenses up, making mm-hmm. it like, oh, it's not a big deal, blah, blah, deal. blah. Mm-hmm. That's just the enemy. It's a big deal to your heart mm-hmm. because there's sin and a fall and whatever, all the things. So right. begin to ask the Lord, like, Lord, what part do you want to heal and where do I need to mourn a valid loss? Mm-hmm. And then begin to walk through that. And I would encourage anybody with any developmental trauma or any hurt or pain that comes up to not do it alone. Mm -hmm. Like whether that's a safe friend, whether it's a mentor or a parent or a spouse, or I'm huge on therapy, Mm -hmm. (laughs) find somebody safe Mm -hmm. that you can get it all out. Yeah. Yeah. A third party. Don't walk through the process alone. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because if you're isolated, no good. (laughs) Right. Um, you need to walk it through a relationship where somebody can begin to help you to see the truth of things mm-hmm. and help you to untangle some of those knots that you very likely have. Yeah. <laughs> so those are like briefly, I guess, some of the things that I would say. But again, going back, like the number one thing is going before the Lord, just like David did in Psalm 139, search me, O Lord, and know my heart. Like, see if there's any yeah. offensive thing in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Like, go before the Lord and say, God, show me what you want to heal. Yeah. And then just be open to it because it hurts and it's really hard, but yeah. it's really worth it. Mm. Oh, that's so good. Before we go, I just want to hit too on, mm. I love that this can really be taken to even in like marriage relationships where mm-hmm. somebody has been wounded from the relationship, whether it's infidelity or yes. addictions or whatever, that you can take these exact principles and be like, you know what? I'm triggered when you do this or when yep. I do this mm-hmm. and then go down that line of like, what's the core lie Absolutely. that has nothing to do with the relationship, but you're just pushing this button. Bingo. (laughs) That's exactly right. And that's why I say like the overarching story of the book is the story of how I learned to love and forgive my alcoholic mother. But really it's for anybody Mm -hmm. who just wants to take the principles or see what you can gain from the story that you can apply to your own situation. Yeah. Like anybody can apply boundaries. Anybody can apply mourning losses. Anybody can apply dealing with their core lies. You know, mm-hmm. all of these things. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And real quick, Sarah, when you were working on this, did you see the revelation of your mom's core lies and things like that mm-hmm. when you were in the journey with her? Mm-hmm. That is an excellent question that no one has ever asked. Mm. And honestly, <laughs> I've not ever thought of it. Like, so let me say a couple quick things. One, 
my mom's journals are in this book at almost the end of every chapter so that you can see the thread of her own life. Like what causes a person to get caught up in addiction? What is that about? So you're watching the thread. Mm. You're seeing her disconnect the way she's talking about her girls, you know, my sister and I. And like the massive disconnect between how she treats us and how she writes about us. Mm -hmm. But as far as identifying her core lies, Mm. I've honestly never actually done that. Mm. (laughs) So now, (laughs) now I'm going to be your Well, I I just see a connection. I I know she had a right, right, yeah. But I've never, you know, obviously, but. I don't know. I I think a big one for her was that she'd never be loved unconditionally. Like she was never good enough to be loved because she always wanted the unconditional love of her father Mm. and her family. She felt like she never had it. Yeah. But I haven't. Yeah. That's something. I've just seen a thread like because I've done Mm -hmm. some work on this and I've looked Mm -hmm. at like my grandma's core lies and my mom's core lies. But then then I see it hitting my daughter and I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. There's a thread all the way through our entire uh-huh. generation. It's like 23 mm-hmm. and me, you know, occurring on lies. I'm like, <laughs> right. no, I rebuke all those lies. Absolutely. Get away, right? Like, yes. Absolutely. Yes, there's so many generational mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. And I really think that we all have the opportunity. And just like you guys, you know, you feel the same way, that we all get to be generational bondage breakers. For like, we sure. Can't the future, no. but we can deal with our stuff and face it yeah. to not like continue to perpetuate it. <laughs> Amen. So, right. And there's yeah. the hope. That's the hope yes, that right. you bring, yeah. Sarah. Exactly. I mean, that you can break it. That literally dysfunction does not have to be your legacy. Like it does Amen. not have to be your right. destiny or identity. Like mm-hmm. victory is always on the table. Absolutely. That's awesome. <laughs> Let's end with that. Yes. <laughs> that is a great, great uh, ending. Well, thank oh, Sarah, you. we thank you for your vulnerability, your yes. wisdom. Oh, my goodness. I yeah. wish we could talk all day. <laughs> I know. <laughs> You're awesome. Thank uh, you. Thank you so much, you guys, mm. for having me on and for sharing about the book. It really means a lot to me. So I appreciate of course. it. Awesome. Well, bless you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening, Rebels. Thanks for dropping in. Thanks for giving us some of your time today. What an honor to have you here. Thanks for sharing this with your friends and family. Thanks to Sarah May for coming on, talking about forgiveness. God bless all you rebels. We will see you soon. Rebel Parenting is produced by Rebel Media House. And when you need a little help with your marriage or parenting, and everyone does, you can find it at rebelparenting.org. Sign up for the Rebel Update by texting the word REBEL to 444-999. That's R-E-B-E-L, and the number is 444-999. We love it when you share Rebel Parenting with your friends and family, so thank you. God bless. Thanks for spending your time with us, and we'll see you next time for another episode of Rebel Parenting.